Uh, before Moses died, uh, he gathered the nation together on the plains of Moab, and he gave them what was essentially uh, a going away speech or a farewell speech. Uh, he gave them final words of instruction and encouragement and even warning uh, before his death. Uh, he knew that he was getting ready to pass the baton of leadership to Joshua. So one era was coming to an end and a new chapter uh, was about to begin. And so he spoke to them about lots of different things and you can read about it in the book called Deuteronomy. Uh, but towards the end of the book of Deuteronomy and towards the end of Moses's farewell address, his sermon, uh, his speech, uh, this is what Moses said to the nation of Israel. He said, this day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death blessings and curses. And then he says this to the nation. Now, now that you know that you basically have two options, you have life and you have death, you have blessings and you have cursings. He says, now choose life, choose blessing so that you and your children may live. And what Moses was saying that day is really nothing short of brilliant because he recognizes and he highlights what a lot of us ignore uh, for much of our life. And what we ignore for a lot of our life is the fact that every choice that we make is consequential. Every single choice that we make, it's consequential. Sometimes the consequences are big and sometimes they're small. Sometimes they're visible, sometimes they're not. Uh, sometimes it's obvious to us what the consequences are. Sometimes it's not so obvious to us what the consequences are. But every choice we make, it's consequential. And every choice that we make is somehow connected to all the other choices that we have made. And because every choice that we make is consequential and connected, our choices ultimately are the threads that weave together our actual reality. Uh, so whatever reality that you're in today and whatever reality that I experience today, it really is the result of choices that we have made over the course of our lives. Every choice, it either adds life, or as Moses would say, it takes away life. It leads to blessing or it leads to a curse. It leads to joy or it leads to grief. It, it leads to peace or unrest, contentment or discontentment, life or death. And this is Moses' way of saying no choice is neutral. Every choice is a choice in the direction of life or it's in the direction of death. And so Moses says, hey, let me say this in the clearest of terms, choose life. Whenever you choose, choose life. Whenever you have a choice before you, recognize that there's death and there's life. There's a path that leads to death. There's a path that leads to life. Choose life. Choose the things that give life. Choose the things that sustain life. Choose the things that feed things that life are made up of, like peace and joy and contentment. Choose those things. Uh, this is such a big deal, and that's the reason today I want to talk about just one choice uh, that you and I can make. Uh, it's an opportunity that we have every single day to choose something that will dramatically and significantly change the course of our lives, the direction of our lives, and the quality of our lives. Um, it's a choice that we have the opportunity to make every day that can move us towards happiness, that can move us towards health. Uh, it's a choice that will improve your relationships. It's a choice that will cause us to live more generously. It's a choice that will lead to greater meaning in our lives.
our lives. Uh, matter of fact, this is, this is good to think about. It's a choice that if we make it, it makes all of us more likable. And, and let's be honest, some of us could stand to be a little bit more likable. And this is a choice that's gonna make you more likable. It's gonna make me more likable. It's gonna be a choice that will actually lower your blood pressure, help you sleep better, improve your self-esteem, and you don't even have to go to the pharmacy. It's just a choice. It's a choice that moves us through and beyond whatever current circumstances that we're going through. And it's a choice, again, as Moses would say, or as he would frame it, it is a choice between life or death. It's a choice between a blessing or a curse. And Moses would say, choose life, choose the blessing. And the choice that I wanna talk about is a choice of gratitude. And what I wanna encourage you to do in this season, and not only in this season, but all the seasons to come, and I wanna encourage myself in this season, uh, and also in all the seasons to come, is to do this. It's to choose gratitude. To choose gratitude. To choose gratitude with my words, to choose gratitude with my thoughts, to choose gratitude with my gestures, uh, with my disposition, uh, with my expectations, with my perspective to get up every single day and to live every single day in this season and all the seasons to come, making a conscious, intentional choice towards gratitude. Um, this would be the idea that I'm to choose gratitude in the big moments of life and in the small moments of life, uh, every area of life uh, for that matter. Um, gratitude is one of the best decisions that you can make. It's one of the best decisions that I can make. And it's one of the most you know, beneficial disciplines that you and I can develop. And it is a discipline. It, it is something that we have to choose and just not choose once. It's something that we have to choose over and over and over and over again in our life until it becomes a way of life. Um, Chesterton called gratitude the highest form of thought because that's, that's where it begins. It begins in your mind. It begins in my mind. It begins with a thought. And, and gratitude is such a powerful thing because it, it shifts our focus. It, it deepens our perspective. It softens our heart. It renews our soul. It refocuses our mind. I mean, when you choose gratitude, you're choosing life. When you choose gratitude, you're choosing a blessing rather than a curse because you're choosing something that's gonna give you the momentum to move forward even in the face of life, some of the hardest moments of life. You're gonna be able to move through it because you've chosen gratitude. Uh, gratitude is what's gonna help you and me escape the undertow of life. And there is an undertow to life that pulls us uh, towards emotions uh, that we really don't wanna embrace, but often we do. Things like bitterness and resentfulness, uh, you know, frustration or hate or fret or fear. Uh, there's an undertow in life that pulls us in the direction of those things. And without choosing gratitude, we end up bitter. And we end up resenting people and resenting things and resenting our own lives and resenting our job or resenting a lack of opportunity. And we end up frustrated and we end up hateful and we end up afraid and we end up fretting the future. You see, without gratitude, life just gets harder and you feel tired and you feel overwhelmed uh, without gratitude because to choose gratitude is to choose a passionate way to, uh, to live life. It's to choose a more energetic way to live life. Um, without choosing gratitude, we end up being pulled in the direction of just being you know, people who complain and grumble. Uh, that's not who you wanna be and it's not who I wanna be. So again, Moses says, hey, there's a life in front of you. you know, there's a choice in front of you. There's a choice in front of me. And he says, choose life, choose blessing. And I would say to all of us today, that means that we are to choose gratitude. We're to choose gratitude. 
Because gratitude, gratitude is something that allows us to celebrate and savor the wins in life or the, the, the great moments in life. Because when we choose gratitude, we're choosing to slow down. We're choosing to take inventory of what's good. Uh, we're, we're choosing to recognize whenever we're in a good moment or a great moment, uh, whenever we're experiencing goodness, uh, we slow down enough to celebrate it and we slow down enough to savor it. Whenever there's a success, whenever there's a win, whenever there's progress, whenever there's a blessing, whenever there's an opportunity, whenever there is goodness that's present in our life, we celebrate it and we savor it. That's what happens when we choose gratitude. Otherwise, if we just go through life not thinking about gratitude, not actively choosing gratitude, we miss the moments. We miss the things that we should be celebrating and savoring that will bring meaning to life and bring happiness into our lives, to bring contentment and peace and joy into our lives. Um, the other night, uh, we were sitting in the living room and, and we have this living room off of our kitchen. And Allison, uh, she was sitting uh, in one chair and I was on the couch and Grayson was, was sitting on the arm of the chair with Allison and Shepard was over on the couch beside of me. And then Al needed to get up and go into the kitchen and uh, she was working on a few things. And so Grayson, he came over and he, he kind of sat in my lap and, and we're sitting there watching television. And so Grayson, you know, he, he, he lays back, he's got his head on my shoulder. And then, then Shepard, uh, he, he kind of reaches up under and puts his arm under my arm and he leans his head over on, on my other shoulder. And I was just sitting there and I thought to myself, well, this is not gonna last forever. Uh, this is one of those moments that I don't know how much time there's gonna be um, to have another moment like this because they're gonna grow older and sooner or later, they're not gonna wanna sit you know, with dad on the couch. They're not gonna wanna sit on dad's lap. They're not gonna lay their head on one shoulder and the other's gonna lay the head on the other. And I kinda look at Allison and she's looking at me. She's smiling at the moment because she sees it. She recognizes it. Um, you know, She's celebrating and savoring it in her way and I'm celebrating it and savoring it in my way. And, and it was just one of those moments when you are present enough to say, Wow, you know, I am, I am grateful for this uh, because this, this is a moment of goodness. This is a moment of blessing. This is a moment of life and I want to not forget this. And it was just like, thank you, God. That's what choosing gratitude does. We don't pass those moments by. We don't take them for granted. We don't minimize them. We see them for what they are. They're gifts. It's, it's the goodness of God that's present, you know, in, in the small moments of life. Uh, that's what happens when we choose gratitude. Uh, when we choose gratitude, we get insulated from toxic emotions, uh, things that stifle peace, joy, and love, and hope. Uh, things like uncontrollable anger or envy or bitterness or jealousy or insecurity. And you could just, you know, continue to name toxic emotions, which, which undermine the things that we want most, which is joy, peace, love, contentment. When we choose gratitude, we, we are able to be in a position where we can stave off toxic emotions, which undermine the quality of our lives. And, and we move in the direction of those emotions that we want to have more of. That's what happens when we choose gratitude. When we choose gratitude, it alters our perspective. We begin to see things differently. Um, we actually become predisposed to recognize the good. 
Now, that's, that, that's a good way to live, to be predisposed to recognize the good. I know a lot of people, I think they're predisposed to see what's bad or to speak about what's bad or to point out what's bad or to just fixate on what's bad. But imagine that when you choose gratitude and I choose gratitude, that my perspective is altered in such a way that I am predisposed to recognize the good, the good in your life, the good in my life, the good in all of life, that I'm just predisposed to really focus most of all on what's good. It's not like I put my head in the sand. It's not like I put my head in the clouds. It's not as though I deny what's, you know, reality. I know what reality is, but even in the face of reality and what's not good, I'm still predisposed to recognize and acknowledge the good. Uh, when we choose gratitude, uh, we get a greater awareness uh, of the wonderfully ordinary things and the extraordinary things uh, that oftentimes we can miss or we can take for granted, whether it's, you know, a crisp breeze in the morning or whether, you know, it's the stars at night or whether it's just, you know, the perfect day or it's just the great evening that you're having with your family by the fire or watching a movie or listening to music with friends or, you know, sitting on the beach somewhere or whatever it may be. You just have an awareness you, you take it in, the ordinary things, the extraordinary things, and you are just predisposed to recognize the goodness of those moments and the goodness that you happen to be right in the middle of at that particular time. We begin to focus on what's right rather than to fixate on what's wrong because our perspective has been altered, and that's what happens when we choose gratitude. It increases our mental fortitude, when you choose gratitude and I choose gratitude, it keeps me from getting sidelined easily by life. Uh, I don't get discapacitated by the unexpected or the unwanted. Uh, I'm, I'm mentally tough. Uh, I, I'm tougher than I am otherwise when I choose gratitude. I'm able to survive the storm. I'm able to keep walking, even though I'm walking through a difficult time and a difficult season. That's what happens when we choose gratitude. When we choose gratitude, it anchors us to the present moment. And we've kind of talked about that just a little bit. But, you know, when we choose gratitude, uh, oftentimes that means we're choosing to set down our phones. Um, imagine that. Uh, sometimes it means that we're choosing to turn off the television. You know, think about that for a moment. And, and we're, just, we're just sitting, you know, with ourselves or sitting with people that we love or care about. It's that moment when we're just sitting around the table and we're enjoying a dinner. It's that moment when we're just sitting and we're talking. It's that moment of driving down the road and you're talking about, you know, your favorite memories or you're talking about once upon a time or you're dreaming about the future. You know, you, you just unplug and you disconnect from the distraction and you just find yourself present in the moment. You, you, you don't miss the magic of the moment, and you appreciate the simple things, the subtle things, the sounds, the taste, the company, the smiles, the laughter, and, and it's just not that you're a part of that moment, but you're able to pull back from that moment, and you're able to see it as it is. It's the goodness of God in your life, and that's what happens when you get anchored to the present. Uh, gratitude, it strengthens our relationships because, you know, friendships grow closer when people know, hey, we're grateful for you. You know, we understand that somebody else, they're grateful for us. Uh, whenever relationships, you know, have uh, gratitude that's expressed between, you know, between friends or among family members, uh, those relationships just get stronger. Uh, you know, if you're a mom or dad and your kids are absolutely convinced that you're grateful for them because you tell them all the time, I'm so thankful to be your dad. I'm so thankful to be your mom. I'm so grateful that, you know, God gave me you as a gift. You know, you tell your family members, you know, I I'm so grateful that, that you're my family. You know, you don't get to choose family. 
family. Uh, you know, you're just born into your family. You know, your family's assigned to you, you know, but, you know, I'm grateful for my family. I'm grateful for, you know, the head start that I got, or I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for, you know, the fact that I've been able to overcome some, some of my generational storylines. You know, you tell your friends, you know, even though you think they know, but you still, you tell them with your words out loud. You look them in the eye and you want to say, hey, my life's better because you're in it and I'm grateful for you and I'm thankful for you. And I don't know what I would do, you know, if you weren't, you know, in our lives and, you know, some of your friends, they may be closer to you than what your actual family uh, is. And so you're particularly grateful for them and, and you tell them and, and that just strengthens relationships because people, people, they are, they are attracted to people who are grateful for them. You love to sense the fact that someone's grateful for you. I love to sense the fact that somebody's grateful for me. And it's something that builds stronger bonds. So as we get ready to head into Thanksgiving this week, I wanna say, again, we should choose gratitude. It's just a better way to live. It's gonna be good for you. It's gonna be good for me. It's gonna be good for us. It's gonna be good for the people around us. And so to demonstrate just how important this is and to demonstrate what it may look like to choose gratitude during this Thanksgiving season, I, I want to look at one of my favorite psalms. Uh, I quote this psalm, you know, quite a bit around here at the church, and you've heard it before, but it, it really is one of my favorite chapters in all of the psalms. And, and it's one that I turn to, essentially, I, I couldn't even tell you how many times over the course of the year that I will read this particular passage because it's, it's just always meant so much to me because, you know, not only in this season that challenges us to be present and to change our mindsets and our attitudes and to reflect more and to take in the good and to acknowledge the good and express gratitude for it, but in all the other seasons when gratitude is also equally important, this psalm has always been something that inspires me to celebrate what is good about life and to celebrate what is good in my own life. Uh, Psalm 103, it, it reminds us that if we want to be happy, we have to choose gratitude. So here's my question. Do you want to be happy? Really, do you want to be happy? I'm not convinced everybody truly does, but do you want to be happy? And if you do, David's going to say, well, then choose gratitude. Uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he wrote that it is only with gratitude that life begins to become rich. So if you want life to be richer with meaning and richer with purpose, as we talked about last week, if you want life to be rich, then to choose gratitude. Now, David wrote Psalm 103, and uh, David is a guy just like you. He's a, he's a person just like us. Uh, he, he's a man who knew the sweetness and the bitterness of life. I mean, who among us? doesn't. I mean, we know the sweet moments. We know the bitter moments. He's a man that at times he stood tall and other times he got laid low. He was a man of great faith. And at times, unfortunately, he, he, was, a, he was a person of great sin. Uh, he was a man who left very few uh, of life's rocks unturned. I mean, he lived life. He lived it. He lived it to the full. Uh, he had experience after experience after experience. And I imagine that if you sat down with David in his older years, he could just keep you riveted for hours by telling some of the stories that he was a part of directly that many of them we can read about in the Old Testament. But as David writes Psalm 103, which is really a song, but he, he writes this, this poem, this, this psalm uh, later in his life. And, and it's as if he's looking back and taking inventory and he's evaluating his life. And he, he's just thinking about the storyline uh, of his past and of his present uh, season that he's in. And, and he begins to, to write these words that we've heard before. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Now, David's not writing this to us. He's writing this to himself. So he's not speaking to us. He's speaking to himself. But 
Lucky for us, you know, we're blessed because we get to listen in on this and listening into this conversation that David is having with himself, it's going to help me and it's going to help you and it's going to help us. And, and so what we hear is David's talking to himself in order to motivate himself or inspire himself. He's, he's calling himself to action. Praise the Lord, my soul. Thank God, my soul. You know, be grateful, my soul. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, as many of you may remember it from, from the King James Version. But he's motivating himself. He's inspiring himself. He's calling himself to action. And the action is gratitude. He's calling himself to choose gratitude. And there's times, there's moments, there's seasons in life where we have to do exactly that. We don't feel like being grateful. We're not in the mood to choose gratitude. And, and in that moment, we've got to talk to ourselves because there won't be anybody else there to say what we need to hear. And there won't be anybody there who knows what we need to hear. Sometimes the person we need to hear the truth from most is ourselves. And that's where David's at. Nobody else is there to speak to him. Nobody else would know what to say, but he knows how he feels. He knows how he's thinking. He knows everything better than anybody else knows because it's his life. And he speaks to himself and he says, praise the Lord, my soul. You, you need to get in the game. You need to be grateful. You need to, cho you need to choose gratitude. Um, because David recognized that sometimes we're the only ones who can speak sense back into our thinking. That sometimes we're the only ones who can call ourselves back from the proverbial edge and offer the clarity that we need. Um, sometimes uh, we are the only ones who are present to remind us that God is in control, that everything's going to be okay, that there's a lot of goodness in my life, there's a lot of goodness in your life, there's a lot of goodness in our life that maybe we've just stopped thinking about or we no longer recognize. Uh, sometimes uh, we are the ones who have to talk ourselves out of quitting. We are the ones who have to talk ourselves into standing back up and to stop feeling sorry for ourselves, uh, to get moving when we feel like we've been stuck for a while. And, and this kind of self-talk requires self-awareness. If you're going to talk to yourself about yourself, you better be aware of yourself. And David was. Uh, David's been paying attention to himself. He, he's been picking up on some things. He, he's noticed some things about himself. And he notices something when he looks at himself in the mirror that very few people recognize in themselves. He, he recognizes that he, he may be struggling with ingratitude, that he's been failing to choose gratitude in his life. And, and what's very difficult to see in our own lives, David was self-aware enough to see in his own life. He, he began to understand that there was a large part of his life that would just be characterized by ingratitude. Somewhere along the way, he had stopped choosing gratitude. Um, and he didn't like what he saw. He, he didn't like what he was experiencing. I mean, who, who enjoys coming across an, an ungrateful person? None of us do. And, and we certainly don't like to admit it when the ungrateful person is me or the ungrateful person is you. Um, Maybe David had gotten to a place in his life where he thought that he'd earned his way, that he had worked his way to where he was, that he deserved his successes, that he was just smarter, that he was more gifted, that he had worked harder than everybody else. And maybe he just, he stopped recognizing all the goodness in his life, that he was no longer present. He didn't soak up the, the ordinary special moments or the extraordinary moments as much as he once had. And so he's calling himself to choose gratitude. He says, praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. And then he, he continues this. He says, praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. So he's calling himself to embrace, you know, uh, a lot of thought that leads to gratitude. He says, I need to not forget 
the goodness of God in my life. I need not to forget the blessings of God in my life. I need not to forget the benefits of God in my life. He, he doesn't want to become that person that forgets the goodness of God in his past, in his present, and even the person who can anticipate the goodness of God in their future. Uh, this is David's way, I think, of, of saying to us, hey, don't get so busy. Don't get so distracted. Don't get so caught up that you miss it. You say, miss what? The benefits of God in your life, the goodness of God in your life. Don't, don't get so numb with life that you lose the ability to celebrate it and savor it. Gratitude. Gratitude is not a habit that's easily formed. I, I know, I mean, I, I, I'll be the first to tell you. It's difficult to choose gratitude and it's easy to become an ungrateful person and to just stop thinking about all the many things that we have to be grateful for. It's a hard habit to form. Complaining and grumbling though, that's an easy habit to form. And a lot of us, that's the habit and the pattern that we have developed over years of thinking and over years of words that have been spoken over our lives and other people's lives. And this is kind of the rut that our mindset gets stuck in. It's one of complaining and one of grumbling. Our default is to complain and grumble much more than we speak out words of gratitude or think thoughts of gratitude. And what David was perhaps struggling with um, Israel had certainly struggled with because they kind of got in a habit of complaining and grumbling. You'll remember when God rescued them, you know, out of Egypt, they'd been slaves for over 400 years. Moses leads them out. And, and as soon as they leave Egypt, you know, they celebrate, they sing a song, you know, they worship God. I mean, it's a party. It's great. Oh my gosh, we're no longer slaves. We're headed to the land of promise flowing with milk and honey. And this lasts, you know, for a hot minute, you know, and in less than three days, we find that after they've left Egypt, less than three days later, they're complaining, they're grumbling, and they've adopted this negative mindset uh, they don't like anything. God gives them manna from heaven. They don't like it. Uh, there's not enough water. You know, they complain, they grumble. Uh, they get to the place where they're, they're thinking to themselves and saying out loud, we, we, we would rather go back to Egypt. You know, the melons, the garlic, the onions, you know, things were so good down in Egypt. So they're lying to themselves. And, and so they're, they're already into this mindset of ingratitude. They go to Mount Sinai, God's up there on the mountain talking to Moses and there's lightning and they're thundering. And then, you know, everybody's kind of snapped back into reality for a moment and they choose gratitude for a moment and they fall to their knees and they're like worshiping God and they're overcome, you know, with, with the awesomeness of God up there on the mountain. And then a few days go by and they're bored with it and, you know, they're numb to it all and they build a golden calf. And then for the next 40 years, they're gonna wander around in the wilderness and they're gonna complain and grumble until an entire generation of people are gonna have to die. And then as this new generation emerges, Moses in his farewell address, his goodbye speech, uh, he tells this new generation of Israelites that are about to go into the promised land. He says, be careful, be careful that once you're in the land, that you forget the benefits of God in your life, that you forget the blessing of God in your life, you forget the goodness of God in your life, what God has done for you. Because what you will end up doing is you'll end up living in houses in the promised land, houses that you didn't build, and you'll end up drinking water in the promised land from wells that you didn't dig, and you will just take it all for granted, and you will miss the gift and the goodness of God in your life. You'll just forget it. So choose gratitude, choose gratitude. Don't get so caught up in the grind of life that you lose sight of the good in life. And again, this is David talking to himself. And sometimes we have to say this to ourselves. Sometimes I need to say this to me, hey, Trevor, 
Don't get so caught up in the grind of life that you lose sight of the good of life. Sometimes we just need to steal ourselves. We just need to unplug. We need to go sit somewhere, you know, just by ourselves and we need to remind ourselves, hey, I've gotten too busy and I'm just not thinking thoughts of gratitude. I'm not speaking words of gratitude. I'm not feeling emotions that are connected to gratitude. David is calling himself to being thankful. He's calling himself to gratitude. He doesn't want to let ingratitude prevail in his soul. And neither do I. And I know you don't either. You don't wanna let ingratitude prevail in your soul. So sometimes we have to talk to ourselves, hey, don't forget the benefits of God. Don't forget the blessings of God. Don't forget all the goodness of God that has been present in our lives. So what does David do? He begins to rehearse. He begins to recite some of the goodness of God. He's got a list, which I think everybody should have a list. You should have a list because otherwise you won't have a list. And when you don't have a list, gratitude, you sometimes don't even know where to start. But if you go looking for the goodness of God, you'll find the goodness of God. If you go look for the blessing of God, you'll find the blessing of God in your life. You'll find the benefits when you go look for the benefits. So David, he's going to kind of make himself a Thanksgiving list of things that he's thankful for. And so this this is, this is what he says. He says, who forgives all your sins. And again, who's David talking to? It's like he's talking to himself in the mirror. He says, praise the Lord, oh my soul, all my inmost being, praise his holy name. Why? Because he forgives all your sins. And he's pointing at himself in the mirror. Now, that, that's pretty amazing. And if David had just stopped there, uh, that would have probably been good enough to inspire, you know, a person or to inspire himself to choose gratitude. He says, because he, he reminds himself, he says, David, God has forgiven all your sin. Not some of your sin, but all your sin. All the silly, all the stubborn sins, all the should have known better but didn't sins, all the repeated offense sins, all the willful sins, all the words that I should have said, all the words that I didn't say that I should have said, all the things that I should have done but I didn't and vice versa. He says, God has forgiven you of all of your sin because that's who he is and that's what he does. So David... Why don't you choose gratitude because God has forgiven you of all your sins. And for those of us here this morning uh, who have really blown it big time, kind of like David, uh, you know, did from time to time in his life, for those of us who have really messed up time and time and time again, the fact that God has forgiven you of all your sin, that God has forgiven me of all my sin, that's good news. It's good news to think about that when Christ died, he died for all of our sins. He died for the sum total of our sin. All the sin that we would commit before we knew him, all the sin that we would commit after we knew him, that all of our sins were laid upon the son of God. All of our sins, past, present, and future. He took to the cross. He died for those sins. And now God, because of what Christ did, he has forgiven all of those sins. All of those sins. Uh, I love the way Philip Yancey wrote about it. He said that God took a great risk when he announced our forgiveness ahead of time, uh, that he took this risk of announcing such, such free grace, such boundless love, uh, that God was taking this great risk when he would say, hey, you can't out my grace. You can't out my love. Uh, the great thing about, you know, when you think about this or when I think about this, when we think about the fact that God has forgiven all of our sin, not only has God forgiven our sin, but, but the scripture actually uses the words, you know, or the imagery that God has forgotten our sin. Uh, not that God, I think, can technically forget our sin because God knows all things. It's just that God chooses, God chooses uh, not 
to think about our sin, or he doesn't choose to think uh, or to look at us through those sins. Uh, another image is that God has cast our sin into the depth of the sea, that he cast them behind his back, that he sees them no more. Uh, meaning that when God sees you and God sees me and God sees us, that he sees us, or as Paul would write about in Romans 5, that we have been justified by faith just as if we had never sinned, but just as if we had always obeyed. And if that's how God sees me, and that's what I believe to be true about the gospel, then when God sees us, it's just as if we had never sinned, and it's just as if we always obeyed. If that's true, and I believe that it is, that is a reason to choose gratitude, that God sees me that way, that God has forgiven me, that God's not angry with me, that God's not perpetually disappointed with me. When I remind myself that God, Trevor Barton, God has forgiven you of all of your sins, that's something that causes gratitude to rise up in the depth of my soul. It's also something that keeps me from being self-righteous because when I'm reminded of all the things that I've been forgiven for, Uh, When I remind myself of all the things I've done, all the things I've said and thought and been forgiven of, it reminds me that I don't have a stone to throw at anyone. I'm not better than anyone. I'm just a sinner saved by grace because the ground at the foot of the cross, as has been said many times, it is level. And we're all on the same ground. So David reminds himself, he says, you've been been forgiven of all of your sin. Choose gratitude. And he says, he has healed all your diseases. And again, who's David talking to? He's talking to his soul. He's talking about the diseases of the soul. He's talking about all the residual issues that sometimes can reside beneath the the surface, uh, behind the exterior. Uh, Things like guilt and shame and despair and envy and discontent and trust uh, issues and the inability to show emotions and anger and self-hatred and all the things that can just junk up our soul. David said, God has healed you of all of your diseases. This is David's way of reminding himself. God has helped you move past your past. And since God has helped you move past your past, since God has helped heal the diseases of your soul, choose gratitude. Choose gratitude. Some of you, you've moved past your past. Some of us, we have decided that because of the grace of God and because we have been forgiven, we're no longer going to allow our past to define our future but we're gonna move past our past and we're gonna move into the future that God has prepared for us. And when we think about that reality, we should be able to look at ourselves in the mirror. We should be able to speak to ourselves and we should be able to call ourselves, hey, God has forgiven me of all of my sin. He's healed all of those diseases of my soul that took me to some pretty dark places. And because God has done that, because God is doing that, I'm gonna choose gratitude. I'm gonna choose gratitude. David goes on, he says, who redeems your life from the pit. And the pit was a place of hopelessness and loneliness and self-centeredness because when you're hurting, the only person you can often think about is yourself. And David said, when you were in the pit, when you were hopeless and lonely and self-centered, God stepped in and God redeemed and God salvaged and God restored and God mended and God bought back and God brought good and God created beauty out of ashes and God brought light out of the darkness and God brought life out of death. And so David, again, he's just pumping himself up. It's like, you know, a private pep rally. And David thinks back over the times of his life when he went too far, when he sunk too low, when he did too much. And he remembers the time that sin had left him alone and hurting and afraid and empty. Because we all know the feeling of how sin can leave us hurting, afraid, and empty, and alone. He says, even in those moments when I was in the pit, the pit that I crawled into, the pit that I jumped into, the pit that I chose, 
God stepped in and God redeemed me from that moment, from that season, from that situation, from those choices, because that's who he is and that's what he does. And the scriptures are just littered with stories of God redeeming people's lives like you and me, like Rahab, you know, the prostitute from Jericho that ends up, you know, helping out a couple of Israelites as they get ready to invade the city of Jericho. And Rahab becomes a part of the community of Israel. And then in the New Testament, she's listed as one of the great, 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 great grandmothers of Jesus, our Messiah, the Son of God, that Rahab, the prostitute, becomes you know, a grandmother of the Son of God, the Savior of the world. God redeems our lives. He redeems our stories. He redeems our future. Or Joseph, hated by his brothers, sold into slavery, accused of a crime that he didn't commit. And then he gets to the end of his life and he looks back and he says, what the enemy meant for evil, God meant it for good. In other words, God redeemed it. Those moments in the pit, God redeemed it. God brought good from it. Job, who lost everything, lost his wife, lost his kids, lost his wealth. He said, the Lord gives, he takes away. He knows the way that I take. And when I come forth, because I will come forth, I'll come forth as gold that's been tried in the fire because God can redeem this. God can redeem the loss. God can redeem the pain. God can redeem it. He steps in. That's what he does. You know, it just goes on and on. We could talk about Gomer, the wife of Hosea, who left her husband, became a prostitute, ended up on the slave block. And Hosea buys his wife back. It's a picture of God's redemptive love. It's a fact that, you know, God can redeem our pain. He can bring purpose into our stories of sin that God can take our wasted years and wasted opportunity, and he can give back the years that the locusts have stolen. You know, according to what Joel wrote in his day, it's the picture of a God who redeems even in the midst of some of our absolute worst choices and worst seasons of life. And David said, David, this has been true of you. So choose gratitude, choose gratitude. He goes on, he says, he's crowns you with love and compassion, kindness and tender mercies. He brought me out of the pit, but not only did he bring me out of the pit and I was all dusty and dirty and smelly, but he brought me close enough to him that he crowned me with love and he crowned me with mercy. David looks back and he realizes that every act of guilt in his life had been met with an act of grace, that every mess up and mistake had been met with an act of God's mercy. It would be kind of like the echo of Paul in the New Testament who would say, wherever sin abounded, Grace has much more abounded, that it's been grace upon top of grace upon top of grace. Or as Jeremiah would write, that it's by the Lord's mercies, his tender mercies, his consistent mercies that I've not been consumed. They are new and fresh every single morning. And this is David. He's talking to himself. He says, come on, think about the love of compassion, the love and compassion that God has placed upon your life. Consistent love unbreakable love, unending love, unconditional love, and, and this tender mercy, which has always been present throughout your life, David. So come on, choose, choose gratitude. And he goes on, he says, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. He, he says, David, God has satisfied you. He's given you what you need to be content. You have joy and peace. You've got the things that make you feel whole and loved. You didn't get these things from anyone or anything else. You, you, you realize that money can be lost, people can die, crowns can fall, status can be lost, 
but it's only your heavenly Father which gives you the things which truly satisfy you, which truly bring contentment in your life that you can't find in anyone or anything else. And he looks back on the best moments of his life when he was most satisfied and he was most content and he was most at peace and he had the most joy and he recognized that was from God. That was the goodness of God in my life. And because of that, because he has satisfied me and he has renewed me, I'm gonna choose gratitude. He continues, he says, the Lord is compassionate. He's gracious, he's slow to anger, he's abounding in love, he, he doesn't give up on me, he's compassionate. He, he's patient with us, he's gracious, he, he treats me better than I deserve. He's slow to anger, he's not easily triggered, uh, not like you and I can be. He's abounding in love, unfailing, unending kindness and mercy. Uh, this is David's way uh, of saying to himself, when I fail, God's love never fails. When I failed, God's love never failed. And, and this is good news for all of us that when I fail, when you fail, and you will fail and I will fail, God's love never fails, never fails. And, and David teases out and he says, let me just continue. He says, he does not treat us as our sins deserve. He's talking to himself. He doesn't treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. He, he doesn't hold grudges. He doesn't keep scorecards. He harbors no resentment. He doesn't throw our sin back in our face. He doesn't haunt us with it. And, and here's the thing. I, this has been, I think, part of my story throughout my life, just the way I'm wired. God is more willing to forgive than sometimes I am to be forgiven. And maybe that's been a struggle in your life, that God, God is much more generous with his forgiveness than I am my willingness to be forgiven. Uh, sometimes it's easier to believe in God than it is to believe that God believes in me or cares for me or loves me the way that he says. But yet that's the nature of his mercy and grace. Mercy is God withholding what I do deserve and grace is God giving me what I don't deserve. And then David writes some of the best lines, I think, in all the scripture. He says, for as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He gives us a horizontal infinite to say, hey, as far as the east is from the west, God's love is immeasurable, it's incalculable. Your sin, my sin, our sins will never be used against us never be used against us. When we stand before God, it will be just as if we never sinned and just as if we have always obeyed. And the security of that, the amazing nature of that, how could we not choose gratitude? And so David wraps it all up and he says, so as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Now, I know something about this because I am a dad, and I know how I feel about my children. And for those of you who are parents, you, you know how you feel about your children, or maybe you're not a parent, but you know there's some special kids in your life, your family, or you're a teacher, and you, you just got a heart, you got a love for them. I know how I feel about my boys, and I know how much I love them. I know how far I'm willing to go for them. I know, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, there's nothing there's nothing on this planet that my sons could ever do that would ever cause me to disown them or to ignore them or to let my heart grow cold towards them. And if that's my heart towards my kids, and I know how dark and how black my heart can be, imagine the heart of our Heavenly Father towards us, towards you, towards me.
It's the story that Jesus would tell of the father who had the prodigal, who went away and wasted everything. But when he came back home, the father's arms were open and the father threw a party and the father brought out a robe and a ring and sandals for his feet. And they killed the fatted calf and they had the party because the son who was lost is now found and the son who was dead is now alive. If I have compassion to the depth that I have compassion for my children, imagine compassion without limit. Imagine a compassion without conditions. Imagine a compassion that is perfect in every way for you and for me. A compassion that when he sees us, he doesn't see our sin, our failure, our dysfunctions, but he sees a son, he sees a daughter, his arms are open, the robe is ready, the ring is ready, the sandals are ready, and the barbecue, it's ready. And when David looked in the mirror, he says, this is my story. The sweetness, the bitterness, the great moments, the hard moments, and all the moments in between. It's been mercy, it's been grace, it's been love. And I think David would say, I think David is saying that the goodness of God is the story of my life. That's what he was saying to himself. The goodness of God is the story of my life. Every good gift and every perfect gift has come down from the Father. My family, my wife, Shepherd, Grayson, uh, my family, my extended family, which is many of my friends and the people that I get to work with, people that I love and people that I, I'm so thankful for, uh, the church that I get to be a part of, the community that I get to live, the nation that I was born into, all of those things from the shoes that I have on to the clothes that I'm wearing, to the place that I get to lay down my head, to the food that's in the pantry, the great moments of life, the great meals, the great trips, the, all the things. Every good gift has, has been from the hand of God himself. And it's God's grace. And it's a reminder that God loves me, that he's for me. He's never given up on me, that he's given me what I don't deserve. He's withholding what I do deserve. And I know that's true. I don't have to believe that's true. I know that's true. So why wouldn't I choose gratitude? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't we? In just a moment, some of our leaders at our churches are gonna be distributing the bread and the cup. And Jesus said, as often as we do this, we should do it in remembrance of him. Because when we remember Jesus, we remember the goodness of God and the grace of God and the mercy of God. So in just a moment, as you receive the bread and the cup, I want you to just speak to yourself and I want you to choose gratitude. And I want you in your own heart, in your own mind, recite the goodness of God in your life. Call your family by name, call your friends by name, call the blessing by name and choose gratitude. And let today be the beginning of a season of gratitude for you that extends into all the other seasons. Take the bread and remember the body of Christ that was crucified for you. Take the cup and remember the blood that Jesus shed that cleansed us 
from all of our sin. Once you receive the bread and the cup, spend a moment in gratitude. And once everyone's served, we will all receive communion together. Father, in this moment, may we all choose gratitude. May we remember the things in life that's nothing more, nothing less than the goodness of God in our life. So all across our church, may we all choose gratitude in this moment to remember how good you are and that the goodness of God, it is the story of our life. Goodness and mercy, it's gonna follow us all the days of our life. We choose gratitude in this moment, in Jesus' name. Thank you.